So I'm going to speak this morning on uh, Thanksgiving and how I got to this is, uh, oddly enough, I looked at the calendar and this week is Thanksgiving. That's how I got to this. Um, I had uh, asked some people like, well, what do you think I should speak on? And like, well, what's on your heart? And I'm like, well, sin. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really know how to answer that question. Um, so, uh, but I thought it was fitting. One of the uh, great things about preparing a message is it causes you to search deeper into the scriptures, it causes you to be introspect and to find out whether you're playing the hypocrite or not. And this is definitely something uh, that I enjoyed just doing some biblical uh, exegesis on and looking at a lot of commendations uh, in the epistles. Uh, because this is something, I don't know, there's so many preachers over the over the years that have kind of said the same thing, that the best sermon you could ever give is a sermon that you need to hear. And this doesn't exclude me. So uh, I'm not going to necessarily give a historical setting on why we celebrate Thanksgiving as uh, in our American Western culture, though that would probably be appropriate. Um, Greg doesn't know it, but I'm going to ask him to, uh, we're having an RCF dinner on Tuesday, I think. Yeah, Tuesday. I'm going to ask him to give a little bit of a historical uh, background to the first Thanksgiving uh, in the American context. So, uh, it's too bad he's not here to hear that right now, but but he'll know. He'll, he'll listen to it. He'll find out by Tuesday, I hope. Um, you know, something I have in the past wanted to speak on, which maybe next time, if there is a next time, uh, you know, on, we kind of have this modern idea in America that like all the American settlers were slave owners, racists, and came here and destroyed everything, which is not the case. Um, and that's kind of more of our American Western uh, milieu at the time. But, uh, in the world's way of thinking, but let's get into this. So, uh, oh, I did have a, a semi-joke to give, but we'll, uh, well, let's not table it. So, I was, you guys, everyone has, has an outline, right? Everybody has at least one outline. Now that should be in your bulletin or something. So I was thinking, and my way of thinking is I am uh, clearly a disciple of Greg Weiss because you have an outline, but I was about to give another outline, and then I was going to give, I was thinking about giving one more, but I actually, <laughs> I recently read, I think it's in, I don't know if it's Second Chronicles, or I forget which king, king comes into power, and he's asking the prophets, should I, how should I speak to these people? And one of the prophets says, you know, speak gently to them and kind of, uh, you know, it's almost, not, he's not saying be nice, but he's saying like, speak gently and, and don't be harsh with them. And then another prophet comes and says, uh, you know, like essentially that, you know, under, I think it was under Solomon, you know, you guys worked building the temple for so many years and had such hard labor and I'm going to increase that. And that's what he chose. Uh, so I'm not going to increase your outlines. You're just get all that to say. You're just gonna get one. So uh, let's get right into this. Hopefully, this is uh, your outline is um, just a couple headings with a lot of scripture, and that's kind of what we want. So uh, Thanksgiving for everything in all circumstances. So that first passage, First Thessalonians five eighteen, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Well, we could probably just stop there, meditate on that for an hour and uh, get some coffee and have the next service. So think about that for a minute. 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, do you guys understand the context of this Thessalonian church? Like in, I think it's chapter 1, verse 6, it says that they received the word in much affliction. This is the first century. Uh, they were burning Christians in the middle of the street in Rome. Hey, give thanks in all circumstances. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> right? He doesn't say, you know, Paul's, you know, Paul's such a great character in, in Scripture to meditate and read on and know the context. Um, I'm not sure historically where he was at when he was writing First Thessalonians. But you look at kind of his, his honor roll of what he went through. I think it's in Second Corinthians of shipwreck, uh, famine, bitten by snakes, stoned, beaten, uh, the 39 lashes like four or five times, three times, close. Thank you, John Luke. Uh, you know, so like Paul's not like saying this of like some kind of like just um, – like, this is a good thing, just, you know, just be generous and be thank- thankful. Those, like, real hardships. This, it is really hard to be thankful in all circumstances. It really is. And um, we're going to see there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of kind of mandates or commendations to do that. So, Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus in the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up, in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in, or in the NASB, overflowing with thanksgiving. So that's who we're supposed to be as Christians, all the time, in every circumstance, overflowing. It's supposed to be welling up inside us, thanksgiving. And we're going to get into that. That's not just like an inward, like, heart feeling of thanksgiving and, you know, all the buttons of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, we're supposed to be people of, of praise, of thanksgiving. We're supposed to live differently. We're supposed to look differently. And we're supposed to be abounding with or overflowing with thanksgiving. Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, word or deed, always giving thanks to the Father. There's, so as, as sons and daughters of Christ, um, we can't even like logically or, or theoretically or theologically think of any reason ever to not be thankful. Paul could be like the prime example of anybody who had a reason to, to not be thankful. Uh, one of the things that's always funny to me is, you know, people tell about their testimonies and, and things. <coughs> and, uh, you know, it's usually like most people when they tell a testimony, at least it's supposed to get a point across, you know, of like, you know, this is what the Lord has done to me. I'm, you know, now a servant of Christ or, you know, I was, I was living this way and now I live this way and, um, you know, a lot of times you're calling, you know, people are, you know, innately aware sometimes when they get converted of their calling. And uh, does anybody know uh, Paul's kind of calling? Not just his calling to build churches. I mean, I think it's, I think it's in Acts, I think it's in Acts 6 version, but there's also, I think it's in 23 or 24 and also in 26, what, uh, what Paul was called to. Something he's going to be known for. Yeah, what great things he can suffer for. So when Christ called him and converted him on the road to Damascus, uh, Jesus was telling him, like, like people are going to know how worthy I am, how worthy Christ is, by how much you suffer. And Paul's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know? Like, you can't, you can't really, like, come to Christ. You can't, we're going to get in, well, I guess this is a little bit later, but we'll jump the gun. You can't really, 
you know, coming into the presence of God, you can't come into any joy or contentment. You can't, like, serve God if you're not starting with thanksgiving. So that's, and that's, and I'm just being honest, that's really hard. If that was everyone's conversion story of, like, you know, if, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's a gospel call to whoever loses their life will find it, you know, and there's always going to be hardships. Uh, but how much you're going to suffer for my name's sake is what Paul was called to. And he's the one that's overflowing with joy, with thanksgiving, and all that. So you have, you got to have to be honest with yourself. Is that you? Is that me? Uh, you know, as I was studying, I was like, maybe I should pick something else because I could sit up here and maybe not be as much of a hypocrite if it was like, uh, maybe we can talk about being critical or something. <laughs> like, I could stand up here and do that all day. Um, but, like, we have to really be introspective. Is that, is that you? Is that, is that us as a community, right? So I would say we all have some work to do. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if it's, like, the cultural, like, thing for, I don't know, what's, what are under millennials now? What are the younger generation called? Gen Z. Uh, I don't know if they're just getting more and more negative the more nihilistic our culture gets. But it's getting more of a popular thing in the broader Western culture uh, to just be ungrateful and like um, and pessimistic. Does it, I mean, does everyone kind of agree and see that? And you know, I want to I want to be honest. If I didn't say like maybe like 2019 was like a good like I think we all kind of got I know a lot, a lot of us kind of got beat up this year, uh, but that doesn't negate Thanksgiving. So. Ephesians 5.4, let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Uh, this always makes me think of the single brothers, because we love uh, foolish talk and crude joking, <laughs> right? But think about that. He's saying what's coming out of your mouth, this is what we should be known for. Uh, now, there is probably a place for, you know, uh, brotherly affection and, and love in those sorts of ways and bonding, um, but it's like, what is, what is coming out of our mouths? What's coming out of our hearts? Is it always crude talking and joking or is it, or is it Thanksgiving? Is it, is it lifting up? Is it, is it honoring to God? So if that one doesn't make me think of the single brothers or doesn't make you, maybe this next one will. Ephesians 5:18. and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord of your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what he's actually saying is, you know, in, in context, that we're supposed to be living and acting and speaking counterculture, right? The way our culture is going isn't just the way our culture is going, it's the way every culture always goes. Every culture, every nation, every society is on a downward trajectory unless the church has more influence than the world. So that's who we're called to be. And, uh, you know, just thinking like, you know, I try to think and, and advise and things in practical matters of we can't, like, we're not going to be a church that changes the culture, uh, you know, in, in one day overnight. It starts in the home. It starts with yourself. It starts in your family, in your work, and it goes out from there. So First Timothy 4, 3 through 5. Uh, speaking of those who forbid marriage <coughs> and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. 
for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So, all things, nothing is to be rejected. All things are to be received with thanksgiving. Um, so, one of the things that, like, you know, shows the, just the power of sin and deception and all these things in our lives isn't just that, you know, there's a slight difference between grumbling and complaining and someone who's known for that, right? And then there's maybe, uh, even though I don't believe in neutrality, there's maybe a more seemingly neutral ground where you might not be, like, overwhelming with thanksgiving and praise and, and, and such or whatever, but... Uh, but you're not grumbling either. So there seems to be, you know, at least a sliding scale. But, you know, one of the things we should get out of Genesis in the very first chapter is that God created all things good, every single thing. And on the sixth day, he created and said everything was very good. So all of his creation is, is worthy of, of thanksgiving and giving praise to God and worship of him in all ways. It's our own sin nature that, that blinds us and deceives us and turns what should be received with thanksgiving and joy into grumbling. Uh, I'm often, uh, I do this like all the time. This happens like all the time. I pray for something. This happened uh, just last night. I was, I'd been praying for something for somebody, uh, and God answered those prayers, and I started grumbling like, oh, well, they're not going to be able to handle it well. They're going to lose it. I was like, what the? like in the middle of preparing for a sermon <laughs> on Thanksgiving. Like, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, that shows you the power of sin. You know, and often, more often than not, when I'm praying for something specific and God answers that prayer and I recognize it, I recognize that God answered the prayer, and it's like two or three days later, I'm like, oh, God, thank you, by the way. Because uh, that was like a miraculous intervention and that's nothing I could have done about it. I couldn't have, you know, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't have supplied the job for the person or, you know, whatever the prayer is. Like, I couldn't have done anything. And then God honors that prayer. And even knowing it's going to be a two or three day gap before I even recognize him and honor, his, honor him and, and what he's done. That's pretty amazing. Like, that shows you uh, not just the power of sin, but, but uh, how powerful God's grace is. Because he continues to, to hear the prayers of the weak. He continues to hear the prayers, you know, of those who would who would call out to him. So so why isn't this natural? Why isn't this like a normal thing? Why does, you know, especially in Paul's letter, he's always saying be thankful in all circumstances, you know, and and why is it why isn't it natural that we are just thankful people? God created all things good. We live in his creation. We see it, right? So we aren't thankful because we are blind and have hard hearts. We have to constantly be reminded. It's you know, it's God's grace that he puts that so many times in scripture, that we see that, that we would, that we would be aware to that. Um, you know, <coughs> it's, it's God's grace through scripture, through the Holy Spirit enlightening our hearts to, uh, to our lack and need for him. It's God's grace in, in supplying the church of brothers and sisters that would remind us of these things and, and constantly be reminded of it. So, but it's, it's, due, it's due to hardness of heart. It's due to foolishness. Uh, Romans 1, 18 through 21. I find this amazing that, that uh, Romans is one of my favorite, uh, it, well, it is my favorite epistle by far. 
just because Paul is clearly saying this is what the gospel is. This is what it is. It starts with faith and it ends with faith. You know, in verse 17, he says that for the, I think it says for the righteous live by faith. And then he just goes in to like 12 chapters of what's the gospel. So if you've ever tried to explain to somebody what the gospel is and it doesn't take you 12 chapters, you're not uh, as sufficient as Paul. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> Romans 1, 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Right? Like that's the first thing Paul is saying in the gospel. And, you know, I don't know of any other like didactic scriptures that would like, you know, say something exactly like this. But like God wants us to, like when we first get converted to Christ and the Holy Spirit starts making our spirits alive, like they're like thankfulness doesn't come out of like, you know, just some kind of weird, like, it's just nebulous and out there. Like, you have to be thankful for something. You have to be, like, thankfulness is in contradistinction to, you know, grumbling or complaining or seeing something a different way. You have to have new eyes, right? And that's the first thing I think Paul starts to address is, is although, you know, these talking about, you know, who, who the wrath of God is, is revealed against of the unrighteous who are suppressing truth, like they're suppressing the truth about God's creation if you're unthankful. We all fall into that every day probably every minute, um, you know, like, God created air. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I like air. <laughs> it helps me live. Um, you know, and, and, and not just, like, thinking, like, you know, we can go on and on about what we could be thankful for. We live in a Western culture, like, in the best time in the world. Uh, you know, just to take small tangents here and there. <laughs> uh, there's nobody as old as my grandma here, which is just a fact. Uh, you know, like, uh, you know, I was talking with my grandmother a while ago, and uh, she doesn't like kiwis because she's never grown up with a kiwi, as in, like, like we didn't have kiwis in America when in the, what would that be, like the 30s, 40s, uh, you know, when she was growing up into her young adolescence. We didn't have kiwis. We can eat kiwis. John Luke loves kiwis. He puts them in a smoothie. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, we grew up in the best culture, the best society that possibly the world has ever known, and there's nothing, there's no lack of thankfulness. So it's a perception problem. It's a hardness of hearts. It's a lack of realizing God's creation, right? And he says that we become futile in our thinking and our foolish hearts are darkened. So this is what I hope the Holy Spirit, you know, opens us all up to today, is not just in this season of, you know, Thanksgiving being this week and, um, you know, diving in, into that, but like having a lifestyle of Thanksgiving, a lifestyle of pouring out and thanks to God uh, and, and people in our lives who are, who are pouring into us and whatnot. So uh, we should all thank God in all circumstances, or we should thank God in all circumstances because of his sovereignty and goodness in all circumstances. This is... Uh, uh, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, just because of the power of it. If you think about the, uh, we're going to look at Genesis 50, 19, and 20. If you think about like the general tenet of Genesis, it's like, oh, God creates everything in Genesis 1 and 2, and it's all good. And then you get to Genesis 3, and there's like quick 
downfall with the fall of man, and then Genesis 4 with, uh, is it Lemuel? Is it Lamech? Lamech, is it Lamech in Genesis 4? And it's like he's killing people and singing about it. And it's like, it's generally like sin is terrible. It causes death. People are terrible. Um, and then, you know, when you get to Genesis 50 in this long story about Joseph, this is one of the most amazing stories in Scripture for me. Uh, you know, I'll just read this passage real quick, Genesis 50, 19 and 20. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for, I, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring, about, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So Joseph doesn't have a lot to be thankful for if you, th- if you take those lenses. He got sold into a pit, sold into slavery, uh, because his dad liked him and gave him a coat. <laughs> you know, uh, his brothers wanted to kill him, and they didn't. I guess that's like you can say that that's kind of thankful for that. At least I'm not dead. I'm just in slavery. Um, you know, rises into, into power, so to speak, in Potiphar's house, and he again does nothing wrong and uh, gets accused of, of trying to rape uh, Potiphar's wife and uh, gets thrown into prison. Not a lot to be thankful for there, right? Uh, goes into prison um, for several years, you know, eventually rises in, into some kind of power position in the prison as far as over the prisoners, uh, sees the way out, interprets the dreams by the Spirit of God, and he thinks he's going to get out. He says, don't forget about me. And he's in there another three years. They forget about him, <laughs> right? And then he rises and eventually, you know, second in command of Egypt. Uh, and and then, then he sees his brothers. And uh, I don't know about you, but that would be very hard for me to not, you know, you got all this power, and the brothers who sold you into slavery and all these terrible things have happened to you um, not want to get even. You know, but he understands God's sovereignty. He understands God's goodness in all circumstances. And that's what we have to see. That's what, like, I don't think there's any other way to be thankful. I don't think there's any other way to come to Thanksgiving, you know, apart from seeing God's sovereignty and his goodness. So most of us know Romans 8.28 um, well, let me finish about Joseph real quick in this passage. Um, you know, when he says, like, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Like, like use that. Think about that in your own life. Be introspect. Think about, like, you know, if anybody thinks that 2019 has beat them up, you know, we as a church are going through some transitions, which are very hard. But, you know, God meant it for good. He's sovereign. He's, and he's good. He's not sovereign and, and a harsh father. He's not sovereign and wants to beat us down, uh, he's sovereign and he's good, and he means it for good. We should praise God and be thankful. So Romans 8, 28, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, Paul, <laughs> you're in prison. Uh, I don't know if I've got the Philippian passage on here. I think it's Philippians 2, somewhere 2.8, something like that, uh, where he says, like, you know, not to grumble. And, like, Paul's writing from prison. <laughs> He's writing from a prison uh, in Rome where even some of the people who were supposedly, you know, Christians and part of them were maligning him so that he gets treated worse. And he's like, don't grumble. Don't complain. I'm like, all right. 
that seems uh, seems very tough, right? But it's it's still you know by the Holy Spirit. This is what what I think God wants to wants to show us. So something that all three synoptic gospels make a point is that Christ gave thanks as he instituted the Lord's Supper. Um, so and Paul confirms this uh, in First Corinthians eleven twenty three. Uh, I'll just read twenty three and twenty four. I don't think this is on your paper. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed and took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's just like, let's unpack that for a little bit. Like, Jesus is, on the night, you know, that he is to be betrayed, he knows this. He knows who Judas is. He knows what's about to happen. And what is he doing? He's breaking bread, which he knows is his body, and he's about to be poured out and sold over to the Romans and crucified and killed, and the wrath of God is about to be poured on him. And he is giving thanks. If you thought Paul was a good example, Paul had it rough. <laughs> you know, Christ doesn't, you know, he does say in the, in the garden, you know, you know, take this cup from me if there's any way, but not my will be done, but your will be done. And that's... Uh, is that chronologically before the supper or after? I think that's after, right? So, but he knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to get betrayed. He knows he's going. All of his friends are going to are going to not be there. All of the disciples are going to leave him behind, and he's giving thanks to the Father. He knows exactly what's going on. He trusts the Father. We're not supposed to just be thankful in some kind of like altruistic sense, right? If it's not rooted in reality, if it's not rooted in real faith. You know, we're supposed to imitate the faith of Jesus, right? We're supposed to imitate, you know, uh, as I think it's Second Peter 2 talks about, you know, even though he was reviled, didn't revile in return. And we've, uh, we have this example in Christ, but like in all circumstances, in all ways, like Christ gave thanks to the Father as his body was about to be broken and he breaks it in front of them. I don't think they exactly knew what was going on, the disciples, but Jesus does. And he's, and he's still thankful. He's still coming to the Father. He still understands his sovereignty, right? So uh, thanksgiving precedes joy and contentment. Uh, you know, so wrapping that in, so why was, why was Jesus thankful? Is it just because he was sent by the Father and he has to do this thing and he didn't really want to, but then he's going to do it anyways because he's supposed to, right? Like, I don't really want to go to work, but if I don't work, I don't, I don't have any money and <laughs> I like to eat and stuff. So... No, like, you know, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, <coughs> let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So even when Jesus was going to the cross, you know, I think Hebrews gives uh, this kind of perception, or at least that, like, Jesus knew the joy that was before him. We know that, right? That's didactic there in Scripture. But he, he had this set of lenses that he knew and trusted in the Father so much and knew what was to come. It wasn't just hardship, 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 right? And I'm going to go to the cross, and uh, I'm going to die. And, uh, you know, it was, he had these lenses that, like, the joy set before him. He is going to rise, the Father is, is going to, he's going to be resurrected. Christ is going to be resurrected and he's going to uh, sit at the right hand of the Father and send forth his Holy Spirit to his people. 
Like, this is the joy that was set before him. So, you know, I think it's in Acts 4 that we see uh, maybe Peter and John. I can't remember. I have to look it up. Um, but, you know, it's after that they get, they get beaten for the name of Christ. They get uh, tortured in some way, you know, and they're sent out and said, don't ever preach about him again. Or don't ever talk about this Jesus fellow. And then, you know, they say, we can't. But they, it says they leave with, 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 it doesn't say joy, but they leave praising God because they were counted worthy. Like, God actually wants our hardships. He wants everything to be turned into thankfulness to him because we see his sovereignty, we see his goodness, and we can actually have joy. Uh, hopefully this doesn't, this doesn't just sound like, you know, like life sucks and get over it, but, like, you know, God actually wants us to come to him with such extreme faith that in all circumstances, Scripture says, in every way, giving thanks to him because we know his goodness. And that will bring about joy, and that will bring about contentment. So, um, so what I, one thing I love uh, about Scripture is it's not how I would write Scripture. That's for sure. Um, I want to think about writing like you know the joy that was set before him, and then maybe I can think about like ways to find joy. You know, the next thing in in Hebrews is uh, you know just four verses later, uh, the writer of Hebrews in in twelve seven says. It is not for discipline that you have to endure. Uh, God is, is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? So even I think the Lord's discipline should be a source of thanksgiving and joy and contentment. Like if you're, you know, if any of us are ever, which we all will be, surprise, under some kind of discipline from the Lord because we're not perfect, that means we're sons and daughters. How awesome is that? Like praise God that he's not abandoned us. Like, that is, that's amazing, because we don't deserve it. Like, like, then we could actually, in a real way, maybe not be thankful. Uh, but he hasn't. You know, even when uh, we're chastised by the Lord and we're disciplined, that's a sense of joy. That's a sense of coming to him, because he, he wants us to come to him. He wants us to humbly submit before him, thank him, praise him, and, and, and then the joy comes. So... Uh, so we come into the presence of God with thanksgiving. So I don't know how many of these are I actually put on there on your sheet. Um, so First Chronicles six eight through twelve. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory is in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. So uh, this is when, this is uh, labeled, you know, kind of just a heading in the ESV, is David's song of thanksgiving. So this is when he's starting to, this, no, I'm sorry, this is when the, the tabernacle, or this is when the ark comes back to Jerusalem after the Philistines have captured it. And uh, I think it had been at Obed-Edom's house for a while, and uh, some people died. So, uh, but then he's, you know, like David, you know, at that point in time, he was, he was king. He had some good things going for him. But David's not like, <laughs> David's more a man of sorrows than anything, right? Even when he comes into his kingship, this would be after First Chronicles 12, but uh, he doesn't have like the greatest life. You know, I loved uh, John Gray's sermon and exposition on, on David's life because I'd never thought about that 
know, I knew the things like David's like hiding and running and, and all these things, but, you know, he wasn't, he didn't have our, his best life now or anything. So uh, let's look at Psalm 100. This psalmist is not labeled. So make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who made us, for we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for he, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So think about that. Like, come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's how the Lord wants us to enter, right? That's the, it doesn't say come into his courts, see him for a little bit, praise him, start to well up with something inside of you, and then give thanksgiving, right? It's not, I don't see any sense here in uh, that we get to decide when we're thankful or not. I don't think that's, I haven't seen that in scripture yet. Does anybody? Anybody yet? Nobody? Nobody? Okay. Let's look at Psalm 95, 1 and 2. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. So again, come into his presence with thanksgiving. We enter into God's presence with thanksgiving. That's where he wants us to start. And we all have these blinders. We all have this hardship. We don't all have this unnatural, or we all have this natural tendency to not be thankful, to not see God's goodness, not see his glory. And, but that's what he wants us to see. He wants to give us, give us new eyes to see that. So um, I think the solution to our discontentment, uh, our lack of thankfulness, is to become thankful. Like, wow, what great insight. <laughs> so, uh, what am I supposed to end, like, quarter after? We're almost there. Um, so I think we just have to become thankful. And here's what the, another psalmist says about this. Psalm 116, 17. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. So, you know, it's, it's totally a grace of God. You know, even if we feel beat up or that, you know, things aren't going our way or anything, like he wants to actually, for us to come to him and offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now there were, we can go all into, and you guys can do your own research on, there was a thanksgiving offering and even, I want to say it was David who started Institute and then Solomon, there was like two chorus of people praising and thank, giving thanks to the Lord in the uh, construction of the temple. But most of the time, I think, and to be honest, like I think it's a sacrifice. I think to come to the Lord with thanksgiving is not always, it's not natural. It's not what my heart's inclination is. is. That's why we have the scriptures. That's why we have the spirit in, in the church. So uh, we don't get to thank God uh, when we want for what we want and for when we pray and get what we want because, because who's God? If, if we get to thank him when we want, who's God? We are. I am, Right? Uh, I'm in control. I get to decide what's good. I get to decide, right? But, you know, uh, I think there's some practical things that we could, we could look at. Uh, Proverbs 4.23 says, uh, keep your heart with all vig vigilance or guard your heart for from it flow the springs of life, right? We actually have to, to guard against grumbling, complaining, and that, you know, what I say is like the middle ground of to make a switch towards like, you know, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I would be the first one 
out of knowing everybody here to some degree of saying I'm probably the least thankful person here. <laughs> to be honest, I know my heart. I know uh, the words that come out of my mouth uh, most of the time. And, you know, it's, it's we have to like actively seek the Lord, enter into his presence, enter into his grace, and, and pray and plead for a heart of thanksgiving. And we have to guard our hearts. We, that's something we could literally do, right? So we actually have a mind, we have a body, and we have a spirit. And our mind actually communicates to our spirit. And something that's always, you know, I think the Lord lets us have these like, like ebb and flows of, of times and seasons. And, uh, you know, it's a regular thing, you know, in my life that I have to like lock my door, read scripture, pray, worship alone, and just and just pray like you know out loud. I, I encourage everyone uh, to make a habit of praying out loud if you don't, um, you know, because we actually can, you know, speak scripture into our spirit, into our hearts, into our minds, and we can come and confess before the Lord that we are not natural creatures of thanksgiving. Praise Him, give thanks to Him, and and worship Him, right? So. <coughs> Just like on a practical note, um, you know, I encourage everyone to do that this week. You know, just find some time alone and thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for all the things you don't want to thank Him for. I'd maybe start there. <laughs> you know, uh, thank Him for your your pastor, your roommates, your your boss, your teacher. Uh, thank Him for your mom or your dad. <laughs> That's a hard one. Like, you know, for some people it is hard. You know, thank them for the overbearing government that taxes you too much. Uh, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he's just the Lord of Lords. He's instituted the government. He's, he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, find some time alone. Pray to the Lord. Um, thank him. So, and then the last thing, I'm just going to rattle these off since I'm going to end here in two minutes. Uh, I'm not going to read them. I'm just going to tell you the scripture verses. Uh, so one thing that Paul makes clear in all of his epistles is that he's not just thankful to the Lord, and he's not just thanking the Lord for, you know, for this uh, theoretical like knowledge that of what Christ has done in the forgiveness of sins. Not saying that's theoretical. That's that's reality. But I mean, that's like you don't see those things. You don't like. I don't see my sins being forgiven in, in the material world. So uh, Paul makes a very clear point in all of, almost all of his epistles, or a majority of them, is that he's thanking God for the people. He even says that in 1 Corinthians, <laughs> the worst church in the New Testament. He says that he, I thank God on your behalf for you know the saints and things like that. So here's just a list of, of when Paul thanks God for the people or when Paul is in prayer <coughs> thanking God for those who serve with him, those who he's uh, uh, served with in Christ. Romans 16, 4, 1 Corinthians 1, 4, 2 Corinthians 8, 16, Ephesians 1, 15 and 16, Ephesians 5, 20, Philippians 1, 3, Colossians 1, 3, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, and 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. So, you know, I couldn't, like, God's not just sovereign and good over, like, these major things that we think of, but God's sovereign over the people here in this room, over this church. Uh, 
I encourage everyone, you know, in, in some quiet time and real prayer to the Lord and thanksgiving, thank him for the people in the church. Thank him for the people you don't want to thank him for. <laughs> thank him for this message. I don't know. <laughs> Anything you don't want to thank him for. Uh, you know, uh, I really encourage, like, I don't know, you know, how else to put it, but like, this is something I think everybody has to apprehend for themselves and have a quiet time and thank the Lord. I think it starts there. So the last scripture, which should be the last one on your page, is I'll leave you with this from 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way we're going to be transformed to having thankful hearts. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you on behalf of your son, Jesus Christ, uh, that has bestowed on us every blessing uh, in every way possible. You alone are good. Everything you do is good and you're in control. We thank you not just for the forgiveness of sins, we thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, for the people in the church, and all the things that you are actively, presently doing. Uh, Lord, may we have thankful hearts in your name. Amen.